we're going to continue our series. We've been talking about life after the cross. Amen. How many of you remember that? We've been talking about life after the cross. And we started that series the week after Easter. Obviously, Easter, we talked about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross and the, all that that meant, that that really did change everything. And so the last, well, this would be the third week since then, we've been talking about what happens now. Once you walk through the door of salvation, once you take that step and you walk through, what, what's next? What, what, what now? And so today we're going to continue with that series. And the message today is called Great and Precious Promises. Can I get an amen? Great and Precious Promises. So if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to start right away with Scripture that I want to read to you. Some of it's on the screen, but not all of it, because I decided to read a little bit more than normal or than I had given them before as we dive into it. And it's 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 3. It says this, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Sounds like these promises are pretty important. Yeah? Yeah. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brother, brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now listen, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. So I want to point out a couple of things from this verse. First of all, can we just celebrate that the Bible says that we've been given great and precious promises. Can we celebrate that? Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we have salvation, but we didn't even deserve salvation. But then God went on to give us so much more through his son, Jesus. So it's nothing that we could even deserve. It's nothing that we could earn, but it's something that's been so freely given to us. And doesn't it make sense? I think that we can all agree in the house this morning that the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross was big. Can I get an amen? It was a big sacrifice. It was amazing. And don't you think it would be honoring and glorifying to the Lord to walk in the fullness, to, to receive the fullness of what he meant for us to receive by him dying on the cross. I think that that's honoring and glorifying to the Lord. I think what, what would be dishonoring is for us to know that there's more and to choose not to take, lay hold of everything that Jesus paid for, just part of it. There's so much more that, that Jesus has paid for than just barely making our way into heaven. And it honors and it glorifies the Lord to step into all that he has for us. Can I get an amen on that? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So why do we respond to these great and precious promises? A couple of things I want to point out quickly. Everything we need for life and godliness, these are things that Jesus paid for on the cross. Jesus, God says that he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. By responding to the promises, to the things that he's placed in the word of God is how we find those things and bring them to effectiveness in our lives. 
Another part of that scripture says, it's a way that we begin to share in his divine nature. Did you read that? Let me, let me in case we missed it, I want, I want to look at that. It says, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Do you know what his divine nature is? Do you know what the nature of God is? What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's his nature. That's who he is. And by diving into the great and precious promises to the things that he's provided for us in the word, we begin to, we get to partake, be partakers of his divine nature. And that's how we get away from all of the corruption, the fallen world. We are set apart. We're light in the darkness, right? We're city on a hill. We're, we're, we're set apart. Amen? Isn't that exciting? So by diving into the Word of God, that's how we can become partakers of His divine nature. I don't know about you, but He said that I could be like that. I could walk in the same fruit of the Spirit that He has. Amen? I want to be a partaker of that. And it helps us become spiritually mature, growing into fully grown children of God. It gives us a solid foundation spiritually. By having these things a part of our life, it'll, it 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 helps us grow, it helps us strong so that we're not immature. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay immature. Does anybody else want to, yeah, no, no? I want to grow into the fullness that God created for me. And then finally, Scripture says at the end of the verses that I read you, 1 Peter 1.8, I'm going to read you the Amplified Version. It says this, for as these qualities are yours and are increasing in you as you grow towards spiritual maturity, they will keep you from being useless and unproductive in regard to the true knowledge and greater understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be productive. I don't want to be useless. I want to be somebody that God can look at and tap me on the shoulder and say, I need you in this. I need you in this season. I'm going to tap you on the shoulder. I need you to go and spread the gospel. I need you to shine your light. I want to be productive for the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So how do I respond to these great and precious promises? Because you can talk about great and precious promises all the time. And we can say that this is what we should do. And we can tell you where you find great and precious promises, which they're found in the word of God. Can I get an amen, right? This, this, this right here is so incredibly important. If we don't read it, we don't know what he says. So the great and precious promises of God, which we're going to dive into what that is in a second, they're found here. And if we don't get into the word of God and understand it and study it, we can't find out what it says. Right? One of the ways that you get into the Word of God, you do it yourself, but also coming to church, getting in services, getting, sitting under teaching, sound biblical teaching, getting around other believers, walking with them, going to a, a, a small group that's coming in the fall, getting into equips classes. All of these things are incredibly important because it's going to help you dive in and find out what Jesus paid for you. Find out what He expects after you receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Find out how your life is supposed to change. Find out what He desires designed and planned for you. Find out what, what happens on life after the cross. It's all in here and there's multiple ways to do that. But once you find it and once you see it, how do you respond to it? Because it's easy to say we have to respond to what this says, but what does that look like? What does responding to the great and precious promises found in the Word of God look like? How do I physically do that? Do I just like, okay, I see it. Like, what does it mean? Do I just acknowledge it? How do I respond to what God has said? This is the part that I'm excited to get to. Okay, I am going to come down here. Sierra asked me if I was going to come down here earlier today. And we had a little bit of a debate because I've got some big shoes on this morning. So this, you're about to see if I can actually make it down. Okay. <laughs> Listen, girls, you know, you understand fashion, right? We take all kinds of risks for fashion. <laughs> it could have been my most embarrassing moment or just real fun. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on. <laughs> so how do we respond? So my, one of my favorite topics in the word of God is faith. I love talking about faith. I love talking about, talking about it because the Bible's very clear. It's, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
So I think it's pretty important that we talk about faith. So what is faith? Faith is trust. Faith is relying on. And having faith in God is putting trust in what he says and who he is. Can I get an amen? Okay, so when I, I give my life to the Lord, I, somebody told me the gospel message. Somebody told me what Jesus did for me. And I responded by putting faith in the word that I heard. And then I took a step of faith and action and, and responded to it, to an altar call. And then something happened and something changed. That's walking by faith. That's responding to the promise that I found in the Word of God. So faith is trusting in God and what He says. It's taking Him at its word. Faith bridges the gap between the natural and the supernatural realm. I live here in the physical, but the supernatural realm is just as real, if not more real. And it's me trusting in a supernatural, unseen God. It's believing in Him to see the supernatural become reality here in the physical. Amen. Faith is not a feeling. Let me stop here for a second. Faith is not a feeling. That's going to set some of us free in the room. And it will align some of us, some of us who've had a hard time trusting God because we won't take steps toward trusting God because we don't feel it. But it also is going to set some of us free in the house who say, I want to trust God, but I don't feel it. So maybe I'm not trusting him. Maybe I don't have faith in him. My friend, faith is not a feeling. Faith is a choice. It is a decision that you make. The Bible says that we don't live by what we feel or what we see, but by every word that comes from God. That's what we live by. So if my feelings don't line up with what I see in the word of God, that doesn't mean that I don't have faith. It means that I have a choice to make. That means that I can choose to step out and trust God regardless of my feelings or emotions, or I don't. But faith is a choice. It is an, it's intention. And it's not just a one-time decision. It is a constant daily, daily decision and choice that we make to trust God. Trusting God is not just something you do once. It's something you do every day. When you get up out of bed in the morning and you put your feet on the ground, or maybe even before your feet hit the ground, maybe you open your eyes. <laughs> you say, God, I trust you today. You are my Lord and Savior. We're going to live, I'm going to live my life today trusting and following your words and you get up and then you go grab a cup of coffee maybe it spills you get frustrated and you have to bring your back yourself back into alignment and say god i'm going to trust you today and then you go and then you're late for work and there's this accident and then you don't know and there's stress building up and then you have to realign and you say god i trust you today and then one of your children forgets their lunch at home so you have to drive and do that and then you get to work and there's a problem and all the worry and cares and world and then you get a phone call about a family member that you love that is going through something and then you have to pull yourself back into alignment and say god i trust you today and then you're going to go home and then you get some bad news or you see all the stuff that's on the news and you start to get worry and doubt and fear about our country and our world and where is this world going to and all the cares of life are trying to, to overtake your heart and you have to pull yourself back into alignment and say, God, I trust you again today. And then you get ready to go to bed and as you're lying, laying in bed at night, your mind is full and it's racing and it's tormenting about all the things and you're worried and it's, you're right to be, about to be stressed out and full of anxiety and fear and worry and you have to pull yourself back into alignment and say, God, I trust you again today. And then you fall asleep and then you wake up the next morning and then you make choices to trust God again the next day. It is not a one-time decision. It is a constant, constant decision, something that we do continuously. Amen? How does faith come? Well, the Bible is also very clear that every one of us is given a measure of faith, right? 
But did you know that you can grow your faith? The Bible is also very clear in um, Romans 10, 17, it says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you don't have to settle with the amount of faith that you have in your heart. See, faith is based on, on if, if I don't know that I can trust God about something, how can I trust God about something? If I only know that I can trust him for salvation, I can trust him for salvation, but I didn't know if there's anything else in the word of God that I can trust him on. So now I start trusting him in multiple areas, right? So I can grow that. The more that I get into the word of God, the more that I learn about God, the more that I can trust him. And then even my feelings will eventually start to come into alignment because I start to learn about the character and integrity of God. And I start to realize, well, wait, this isn't just like blind faith, like his character, he's always failed. And he's, there's never been a promise that he said that he would fulfill that he didn't fulfill. So that means if he said it this time, then my goodness, I can, I can, I can stand on that one. So now my faith, is, my trust is a lot easier and it's just more full of excitement and joy and my emotions are starting to come into line with it. And then there's like fire in my eyes when I see something that's out of alignment with the word of God because I've, I've found out more and more what he said and all of a sudden I'm walking around and it's like, you're telling me God isn't gonna do that? Well, let me tell you about my God because obviously you and I aren't reading the same Bible or I'm reading it and maybe you have it in a little bit. Maybe you need to pick it up off the coffee table, dust it off a little bit and crack that puppy open because there's a whole much more in there that you obviously don't know that I'm reading about. And he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and guess what? He said this, and he said this, and he said this, and then my life has changed in this way, and this way, and this way, and this way, and this way. And I see God active here, 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 and here. So you can't tell me that my God isn't going to come through this time. He's a good God, and he's given us everything for life and godliness. But if we don't crack the word of God open and we don't find it out, the devil doesn't want you to get into the word of God. God, he, he if you knew what God said, if you knew the promises in the word of God, if you knew what God called you to be and how he designed for you to walk on this earth and to carry his power and presence, the Holy Spirit, if you understood that greater is he that's on the inside of you than he that's in the world really understood that and what that meant, no wonder he makes you really busy and really tired at night. So when you go to open up your Bible, you just fall asleep and you're like, I'm going to do it tomorrow. No wonder every time you try to get up early in the morning to read the word of God, your alarm doesn't go off or you get up and get caught and a whirlwind of life already. No wonder it's not easy to start the new habit of diving into the Word of God. No wonder there's distractions. No wonder we don't see it as a priority. Because it will change and affect everything. So, faith is powerful. We know faith is powerful. We just got through a series called God's Hall of Fame. And every one of those messages started with the name of somebody in God's Hall of Fame. And the that verse said, by faith, Abraham. By faith, Noah. By faith, Joseph. By faith, each one of these great men and women of God changed the world. Because they stepped out and trusted God. By faith, and God always met him there. Amen? Faith is powerful. So how do I use my faith and connect to God's great promises? How do I do that, Pastor Maria? Like I want to, you've shown me that I need to, but how do I do that? So first and foremost, so this is about to get real practical. Can we get real practical for a second? First and foremost, find it. Find what the word of God says. Lay hold of something. And I'm going to give you some examples, and I am going to use some promises here in a second. So don't worry. I'm not going to leave you empty-handed. We're going to do this together. But find the promise in the Word of God. Number two, make a decision to believe and trust God's Word and promise no matter what. Make a decision. Remember, because we don't live by what we feel or see, so we make a decision. Three, begin to meditate on the Word. 
Now, I'm going to stop here for a second because some of us don't understand what meditation, because we're not talking about like spooky meditation, okay? (laughs) What does it mean to meditate on the Word of God? Well, here's some easy things. You read it, and then you can ask yourself a few of these questions when you're reading it. What does the Scripture say? What does it mean? What does this mean for my life? And how does this change or impact my life? Meaning, when I apply this to my life, what will be different moving forward? How does this change my life? Meditating just doesn't leave it on the page. It helps it become a part of your life. And then you do that. Then then you begin to consistently meditate. You do it repeatedly. Why do you do this repeatedly? Well, because our mindsets are pretty forged through our whole life of being raised a certain way, right? So we have to get rid of, I have a friend who says stinking thinking. We have to replace old thoughts with God's word. And that takes work because you've thought a certain way for so many years. And some of us, so many years, your whole life. You've thought a certain way. You've been taught a certain way. You believe a certain way. So you can't just out, like, re, whatever, (laughs) get rid of that overnight just by reading something one time. You have to, the Bible says to take every thought captive. You have to recognize the truth of the word of God. And then when those things pop out, those old ways, those old habits stand up, you have to take it captive and replace it with the truth of the word of God, which is work on your part. That's work on our part. That takes intentionality. That means if you find something in Scripture that's contrary to the way that you, it's been lining up in your head for so long, you see it then, and you want the result of what the Scripture says, and it's contrary to what, the way that you're living and thinking now, that means you begin to meditate on it day and night. You begin to find that promise. And you begin to like see, okay, how does this change? What in my life would be different? How would I react in this situation? The Bible says that I can walk in love. Okay, well then, you know, like, then how, how does my interaction with my fellow human beings on I-4, when they cut me off, change when I am somebody who walks in love? How does my interaction with my kids or somebody who hurts my kids or somebody who offends me, how does my interaction change? What is different? What, how will I be different if I'm walking in love and not offense and bitterness all the time? What looks different in my life? Begin to see that. Begin to meditate on it. Amen? It's a constant thing. Romans 12, 2 says this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We have to let God change the way we think. But meditating on his word, his word is living. You hear us say it all the time. It's living and active and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen? It can change us from the inside out. Exchange the lie for God's truth. And then the last one is this. Speak it out loud. So you find it, right? I'm going to make sure I said it in the right order. Find the promise, make the decision, meditate on it, and then you speak it out loud. Really, Pastor Maria? I really have to say this out loud? Yeah. And you know what? Some of us have been speaking negative things over our lives for a long time, and it's time that we start speaking positive truth. Because you need to hear it. And you know what? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so we've been speaking death, and it has effects. So it's time to start speaking life. We begin to speak it out loud. You need to hear it. And do you know that you can't be thinking one thought while you're speaking another? Begin to speak truth, begin to speak it out. So what does all of this look like? All right. So I have an illustration. Okay, let me make sure I do this right, guys. We did practice this, but I'm probably gonna need some grace. Okay, this little belt. Let me find all my little things. 
We got them all over here. Okay. Oh, music. Okay. So what does this look like? This is a little illustration I'm excited to show with you, show you. So remember, we find the promise, right? The Word of God. So it looks like this, finding this one. Do you know that there's a scripture, Romans 6.11 says this, so you should also consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? So then really we can say, because of what the Word of God says, I can say I am dead to sin and I am alive to the power of God. Can I get an amen? How about let's all say that together. Say, I am dead to sin, like you mean it. I am dead to sin and I am alive to the power of God. Okay, so we just found a scripture in the Word of God, didn't we? Yeah? We just found a scripture in the Word of God. This over here is this scripture. This is the scripture that we just read you in Romans 6.11. So I consider myself dead to sin and alive to God. I found it, right? I've identified it. And I'm making a decision right now by faith. I'm going to latch hold. There we go. I'm latching hold with my faith to the promise that God said. And now I'm going to meditate on it. So what's different about my life when I consider that I am dead to sin and that I am alive to the power of God in Christ? Well, for one, sin can no longer control me and it doesn't have power to keep me bound or addicted. Can I get an amen? And I'm alive to the power of God. So it doesn't matter the sin that I've walked out of anymore. It doesn't matter the lie that the enemy would try to say that I can't break free of lying, that I can't break free of alcoholism, that I can't break free of drug addiction, that I can't break free of pornography addiction, that I can't break free of gossip or fear or anything that's held me bound because I found the scripture in the word of God that says I'm alive to the power of God and greater is the he that's on me than inside the world or greater is he that's in me than he that's on the inside he that's in the world amen so I'm laying hold of this with my faith and you know what's different in my life is I'm going to walk free I'm not going to be stuck in a cycle of addiction I've laid hold of and attached I've latched on to that promise Let's see what happens with another one. Ephesians 2.10 says this. Oh, I like this one. Are you ready? For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he's planned for us a long ago. I'm God's masterpiece. All right, you ready to say it out loud? Repeat after me. You ready? You ready? I am God's masterpiece. And I'm designed for a purpose. Say it one more time, I am God's masterpiece and I am designed for a purpose. All right, so I found his, I found the word that I am God's masterpiece and I am designed for a purpose. And I'm stepping out and making a decision to latch hold of the word of God. So what's different about my life? Well, I come to the realization that I'm not flawed. I'm not just wandering aimlessly. I've not been forgotten. Doesn't matter what I feel. I'm not forgotten. I have a purpose. I've not been thrown out. And insecurity no longer fits on me. Because I've been, I'm masterfully designed. I've been created. This is who I am, and I'm going to live my life from this perspective now. I'm going to make choices daily to live my life from the perspective that God says about me because I've made the choice to lay hold of it. It's a daily choice. I'm deciding to lay hold of what God says about me, which means my life will change because I'm not going to walk in the direction of an insecure individual who believes that I'm flawed, that I'm forgotten, that I'm not, I don't have a purpose. That is a lie from the pit of hell and I'm not going to live my life there. It's my choice to come into alignment with the word of God. Now, will that take some work to root that out because I've walked in that for so long? Yes, it's going to take work, but it's work that I know that I can have it because it's what God said. It's a promise in his word. It's part of the great and precious promises that I get to partake of because Jesus paid for it. So it's rightfully mine. 
Can I get an amen? It is rightfully mine. I'm going to lay hold of it. Well, here's another one. We've mentioned it. 1 John 4, 4 says this, But you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. All right, here's another one. We get to repeat after me. You ready? You ready? You ready? All right, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Let's do it again. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. All right, so by faith, I last hold of that one. I've got that one on me now too. Now look, I've got a few here. I've got one. Let me go back and see this. It says, I've got one that says that I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to the power of God. Praise God, I'm living my life from this place. And I've got one here that says that I am a God's masterpiece and I've been designed for a purpose. And now I just laid hold of greater is he that's on in me than he that's in the world. Oh my goodness. Can you see how all of this begins to add up and begins to affect my life? What's different? I'm, I'm walking with confidence. I'm, wa- I'm with this one. I don't know which one it is. Okay. <laughs> I'm walking in confidence, in boldness that I have a purpose. Amen. I'm walking that I have the spirit of God on the inside of me, which is greater than the, than the enemy. So anything the enemy would try to throw at me. So what's different about my life if I walk in that, in that freedom? Well, then I understand that I'm not defeated, that I carry the victory of the Lord inside of me. And I'm going to let, how is it going to affect me? I'm going to let my light shine without fear because the light on the inside of me is victorious over the darkness. I don't need to be intimidated by the enemy, and the attacks of the enemy cannot prosper over my life. Can I get an amen? So now, so now, I'm dead to sin, but I'm alive to the power of God, so sin has no, no dominion over me. I've got a purpose. Greater is he that's on the inside of me than he that's in the world. Let's try another one. Woo, I'm attached to a lot of things over here. All right, here's another one. James 1.5 says this. If you need wisdom... Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He's not going to rebuke you for asking. So I found that. I'm going to latch hold of that one. It says, if I need wisdom, I can ask God for it and he will give it to me. So let's say that. If I need wisdom, I'll ask God and he'll give it to me. One more time. If I need wisdom, I'll ask God and he'll give it to me. Why is that important? That may not feel as powerful as these. But aren't there so many times in your life that you just need wisdom? And we're just kind of spiraling. But God, one of the promises, one of the things that he's provided for us is that we can ask him for wisdom. He's going to give it to you. So now you're not doing this thing on your own. You're not building a business on your own. You're not parenting on your own. You get to tap into the wisdom that God has and ask him what to do next. Ask him what your next move should be. God, give me wisdom into this situation. I don't understand. I don't know how to navigate this. But I'm connected now. I believe by faith because you said it that I can be connected to the wisdom of God. That will greatly impact my life. Amen. That's powerful. And then over here, we did practice. Okay. (laughs) Number five. I am filled with the Spirit of God, therefore I walk in the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit are the fruits of my life. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says this, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. So let's repeat this after me. I am filled with the Spirit of God. Therefore, I walk in the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit are the fruits of my life. So how does this impact my life? I don't walk in the flesh. I'm not perfect. Will I make mistakes? Yeah. But I don't consistently operate in the flesh. I walk in love in all of my interactions. I can start to say, you know what, I am patient. I don't have to be an impatient person. I am patient, I am kind, I am faithful, I'm gentle, I'm generous, All I have self-control. How many of us need self-control to operate in our lives? 
right? Guess what? I am full of the Holy Spirit of God. He, this is who he is. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me, right? I can, and then we already know that it's part of his divine nature in the scripture that we read earlier. We can partake of his divine nature, amen? I'm laying hold of this to develop his divine nature in my own life. I can walk in self-control. I can say the thing or I can hold my tongue when I need to hold my tongue. I cannot eat some things when I need to not eat some things. I can not cut somebody off on I-4 if I want to cut somebody off on I-4. I say I-4 a lot. Maybe we need deliverance from I-4. Okay. <laughs> but look at my position now. Look at this. Look at this. I'm connected to the Word of God. I, there's more. I'm, I'm finding out what the Word of God says. Can I walk over here if I want to walk over here? How about walk over here? How about go, I can't, there's, I'm very limited in where I'm going, but where I'm going is in line with where the word of God wants me to go. Can you imagine more and more of these that we just latch hold of, of what God says, more and more of them? And you know what else I love? You know, the Bible is very clear that storms in life will come, right? But, what, but I'm pretty anchored when winds blow, when storms come, the more of these that I latch hold of, the more of the Word of God that I grab a hold of, the more firm foundation I'm on, I'm not going anywhere. Can I get an amen? I'm not going anywhere. I use my faith, I choose to latch hold of what the Word of God says. Storms, life. You know what? It also keeps you from, okay, let's see if I can do this. <laughs> from every, you know, the Bible is very clear about every wind of doctrine that's out there. It keeps you connected to the truth of the word of God so you believe the truth over a lie so you can discern because you know what the word of God says so you know when to say no to something that doesn't align with the word of God. Amen. It keeps you safe. Keeps you safe from others' opinions, others' thoughts, lies of the enemy. I get to lay hold of what the Word of God says over my life. And it impacts my life. And it changes my life. And there's one more illustration I want to pull out for you as well. Talking about faith. You know, God gives us an illustration of what he describes faith to be like. I just got excited because I got to bring Captain America's shield out on the stage. <laughs> God gives us a description of what he, de he describes faith to be like. In Ephesians 6, verses 13 through 17, he talks about the armor of God. And he goes into great description of what the armor of God is. The armor of God is something that we get to wear, right? It's something that, it's the truth from the word of God. And he talks about it in a form of like putting on armor, or putting something on our physical body, I think so that we can understand what it would mean to live from that perspective, to live inside of the truth of the word of God, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, to live in what he's promised us. But in Ephesians chapter six, verse 13, Actually, verse 16, it says this. In addition to all of these, all of the rest of the armor, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. There's that word faith again. And God's describing faith as a shield. So now I want to listen. There's a couple of things that point that stand out to me in this verse. Is one, that God, God, three things I see. Faith is an action. The Bible says, hold up the shield of faith. Right? So he, God says, I, I, he was requiring us to actually physically hold up the shield. It's something that we do. It's just not something that's just kind of there. Right? The rest of the armor is something that's there. 
But we actually have to, well, except for the sword of the spirit, but you know, you, you with me, that you have to pick up too. But you have to actually pick up the shield. It's an action. We talked about faith being an action. You have the word of God, right? It's an action for us to study it, to put our faith in, to meditate on it, to speak it, to lay hold of it. It's our job to pick up the shield of faith. But then the other thing that it reminds me, it lets me know in this scripture is that arrows are coming. Arrows come. Why, what are arrows? Arrows are things that the enemy would love to shoot your way to quench or to keep the word of God from taking root inside of your heart, from planting a seed, from take, being able to produce a harvest in your heart. It's inside of your heart. So it's kind of going to be contrary to God's word, right? Arrows are also, they're sent as an, as an attack to your heart to steal God's worth and his truth from taking root. They can also be accusations. And does this sound familiar to you? Shame. Accusations that you're not good enough, that you have to work to prove your own salvation or acceptance. It can sound like I'm a failure. It can sound like that I'm not as good as that person over there. It can sound like, it can flip the switch and sound like pride. Well, I'm better than all of them. Or it can sound like a belief, a lie in your head that you begin to believe that I have a right to be angry. I have a right to hold on to bitterness. I have a right. I'm a victim. It can be nobody understands me. It can be I'm all alone. Nobody else has ever gone through this. No one cares about me. On and on and on and on. Lies. Those are, those are the arrows that come. Those are things that even in the Garden of Eden, the enemy doesn't have any new tricks. In the Garden of Eden, he said to Eve, did God really say? And all of that was to get her to doubt that God's word wasn't true. So if he can get you to begin to doubt God's word, he can get you to begin to let go of some of the things that you're laying hold of and begin to drop your shield. But faith is an action. We pick up that shield. Faith is a weapon and it is part of my armor. Now here, here listen up as we get ready to close in a couple seconds, in a couple minutes, actually, well, you know, soon. Listen to this, soldiers are, oh, I just lost my message. That's good. Soldiers, trying to hold a shield and the message, it's kind of creative. Soldiers are meant to advance and to take ground, right? Soldiers are meant to defend the kingdom of, from attack. And without the shields, I'm left defenseless and vulnerable. So by diving into the word of God, by picking up on what his great and precious promises are, then I get to grow, I get to pick up the shield of faith. And not only am I rooted and grounded, right, in how I live, but it's also protection from what's coming, what's trying to be thrown my way. It's a way that I guard my heart with his promises. Can I get an amen? Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to do something together here. Let's go ahead and stand. There we go. Can you see it? Faith in his great and precious promises of the word of God are meant to protect us and keep us steady on a sure foundation. So let's get hungry for the word of God. Let's find out what God said. Let's meditate on the word of God and let's grow and become strong and mature believers. Can I get an amen? All right, so we're gonna do this. We're gonna practice this. Now, we're, I'm gonna give you homework this week. You ready? I know, it's been a while for some of us, but I'm gonna give you homework. So inside of the Calvary Orlando app, okay, I, we always post our sermon notes at the end of uh, there, but this week they're up. And I've listed about 25 great and precious promises. Now it's impossible to be all extensive, right? Cause then we'd have, I just would put the Bible there. But we've listed 25 great and precious promises. And so your homework this week is to go home and look through one of the, find one of them that speaks to you where you're at. And then go through the steps that we talked about. Find it, make a decision to trust it, begin to meditate on it and begin to speak it. Do it morning and do it at night. But we're gonna practice putting the word of God into action. Can we do that? Can, I, can we do that? 
But what I'm gonna do is we're gonna practice. Some of us need to hear ourselves saying something over our lives, something positive and de declaration from the word of God. So with all, with faith in our heart, I'm gonna lead us. Now, we, I wasn't able to get all of these on the screen, so you, we can't read it, so you're gonna have to listen. And when you repeat these words after me, I want you to believe them. I want you to attach your faith with them, which means what? Even if what you're saying, even if your feelings don't line up to it, what you make a decision to trust it, to believe it, because it's what God says. Can I get an amen? Because we're not moved by what we feel or see. So if what you're about to say and speak of your life is contrary to how you felt when you walked into the room this morning, you're gonna, that's how you declare God's word over your life. That's how in the middle of the, when, in our worship set that we were doing, so I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. That's how you sing in the middle of the storm is you don't just say the words I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm, is you get into your place at home. You pull out these great and precious promises and you start to say in the name of Jesus, yet greater is he that's on me, in me than he, than he that's in the world. Boy, I keep saying that one today. You start to talk about you being, he's made you victorious, that he's made you an overcomer, that you are filled with a purpose, that God has great plans for your life, that you are anointed to change lives. You're anointed to go do good, that there, you are not done, that he is not for forgotten you, that you are bought with a price. You are a child of God. He didn't just save you. He adopted you into his family. You are his son. You are his daughter. And you begin to declare that. And you know what's going to happen? Your, the atmosphere in your home is going to change. The atmosphere in your spirit's going to change. You can't stay depressed. You can't stay sad. You can't stay down when you start to just think about, meditate on, begin to declare and speak the word of God. And you know what? Oppressive spirits that love to linger around negativity. This is why your atmosphere changes because they have to leave. Just thinking thoughts, they don't have to leave when you think it, but when you speak it and you speak the name of Jesus, that stuff has to shift out of your house. That's how you take authority over the situation. That's how you put your foot down and say, I am done. I'm not, we're not gonna stay here. I'm not messing with this anymore. So are you ready? We're gonna, I want you to get excited. We're gonna, we're gonna declare a few of these scriptures. I'm not gonna go through all 25 because we don't have time. You can do that, but we're gonna do some of these together. Are you ready? All right. I am strong and courageous. I am not alone. God is always with me. I am a new creation in Christ. My old life is gone. God is faithful and trustworthy. He will keep his promises. You heard this one already. I am dead to sin. I am alive to the power of God. God said that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am loved by God and nothing can separate me from his love. God's plans for me are to prosper me and not to harm me. Oh, I like this one. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Therefore, I don't have to walk in fear. I choose to walk in faith and the power of his love. The Lord is my strength and help. God cares for me so I can give all of my worries and cares to God. I am anointed of God to change lives. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. And last but not least, I am a child of God. Can you just celebrate that this morning? up and without anybody leaving just yet, I'm going to pray this over you and then we're going to give you an opportunity to give your life to God. But Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we receive your message. God, we receive your words. And Lord, I just pray, God, that there is an awakening of hunger in the hearts of your people this morning for your word. And God, I pray that there would be a quickening, God, and a realization, God, a rhema realization, God, of what it means to latch hold of the word of your word and your promises. God, I thank you that you're building us into a, your body, God 
God into the body of Christ to be strong, to be courageous, to be overcomers. And God, that we are latching hold by faith to the promises that you've said and will not settle for anything less. God, we receive that we are your children and we are heirs of the promise. And so we receive your great and precious promises in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen, amen. And one more time, real quick, everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. The Bible is very clear. We always give everybody an opportunity because we don't want you to leave this morning not knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible is very clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but praise God, we have Jesus. The Bible is also clear that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And the Bible is also clear. It says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we wanna give you an opportunity to exercise your faith by trusting the word of God that you just heard and making a decision to believe that, to receive Jesus Christ for yourself. And so in just a second, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you if that's you in the house and you wanna give your life to the Lord. Maybe this is the first time, maybe it's been a while, you've had a lot of life, but you want to recommit your life to the Lord, it's for you as well. So on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hands. And I'm gonna tell you, this is the single most biggest most biggest, you can't say it, it's double. The single biggest decision you'll ever make this morning. And the Bible's also very clear that all of heaven rejoices, even with just one. So even those of you watching with us at home this morning, if that's you, let us know. We wanna pray with you as well. So every head bowed and every eye closed on the count of three, if that's you, you wanna give your life to the Lord this morning, raise your hand, ready? One, two, three. Praise God, there's three, two hands up back there. I'm gonna look around the room. Thank you, Jesus. We wanna wait for you. We wanna give you an opportunity. So exciting. I don't want to miss anybody this morning. Just two hands back there. Praise God. Anybody else this morning? All right, church, would you pray with us so that those two are not, and they know that they are not alone. And anybody who's watching with us at home, just repeat this prayer after us. This is you putting your faith, making a decision to trust in Jesus. Dear Father, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I know that I've sinned. I've walked away from you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Do you celebrate that this morning? Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.